live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You won't believe what we're talking about. The NFL Draft. So it's going to be a big day. Wednesday always is. Hit me up. I want to talk about the association, but instead I do want to talk NFL Draft off the very, very top. So the big question in sports finally does have an answer. We've been going around and around and around with this. We finally now have an answer. Sort of. Sort of. We don't know the actual answer, but we know there is an answer, if that makes sense. For instance, if you believe Frank Reich, we will not know the answer until 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. But if you believe Frank Reich, they already know the answer because they've already made a decision. What am I talking about? The top pick overall in the NFL draft. Apparently, Carolina has reached a consensus. They've got their guy. And the reason we know this is because Reich came right out and he said as much yesterday. He just didn't tell us who that guy is. He didn't tell us who the new future of the Carolina Panther franchise is. Instead, he just dropped a really bizarre analogy. This is the new head coach of the Panthers describing the most important exchange he may ever have with his GM, Scott Fitterer, like it was a scene out of, I don't know, a K-Jewelers commercial. He did. He actually said, came in my office uh, yesterday at some point and, and asked the question. You know, it's kind of like a proposal of sorts, you know. Um, but, <clears throat> and I said yes. <laughs> no, there is consensus and we're excited. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll announce that Thursday at about 8 o'clock. <laughs> so anyway, it was Scott Fitterer who dropped down on a knee and popped the question. I mean, dang, Frank, that sounds really romantic. You're a lucky man. Hey, yo, how big is that ring? Every kiss begins with K. Can we see the ring? Oh, I got to know, dude. Did Scott also hire a photog to hide in the closet? And then get that perfect shot of that perfect moment. <laughs> Did he light candles and lay flower petals all over your office too? Did he also tell all of your friends that he was going to do it and then have them all waiting outside with flowers, getting all dusty and teary-eyed and happy? Did you all then call all your friends and family and tell them the good news? And then did you all go out and get blasted afterwards at your favorite dive bar? And I said yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, weirdest way to announce a draft pick decision ever. The GM popped the question. The coach said yes. <laughs> yes to what? Who is it? We don't know. The Panthers won't say. Apparently, we're not going to find out until Roger Goodell strides confidently across that stage in Kansas City tomorrow night only to get the ever-living crap booed out of him until he finally announces it to the world. Until then, we're not going to know. Until then, we will not know with 100% certainty, no matter how much it appears, that Bryce Young is going to be that guy. Because the fact is, while there is plenty to like about all four of the top quarterbacks in this class, there is also a fair amount not to like about them. 
because they all have pretty significant flaws and question marks. But again, all the signs are definitely pointing at Bryce Young. Vegas is definitely pointing at Bryce Young. As of this morning, the Bama quarterback is minus 1,000 to be the guy at number one. It's a big number and not exactly surprising. I mean, after all, Young is a special talent. He does have that beautiful football mind. But like I said, they all have flaws and or question marks. His, he's 5'10", 200 pounds maybe, soaking wet after Thanksgiving dinner, i.e. not exactly your prototypical top of the draft size. And because of that size, there is going to be doubts that he is the guy until the moment he's announced as the guy. And those doubts over Bryce left an opening for some really bizarre betting line movement yesterday. Movement, and this is weird, movement that now has Will Levis with the second best odds of going first at plus 600. That is crazy movement. The dude who eats bananas with the peel still on, the dude who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Put that coffee down. He does both those things. He has the second best odds of being the first overall pick in the draft tomorrow. Now, he may be a quirky guy. However, one thing that he is not is terrified of milk. Because some of you will have... Or some of you believe that that's also a thing. Man, that's how silly, silly season has become. Now it's just stupid season. If you saw an R, it's moron season. It's imbecile season. Moron, imbecile. If you saw an article, idiot season. Idiot, moron, fat ass. If you saw, loser, if you saw an article or heard a rumor that the dude has a, quote, deathly fear of milk and that he screams in terror at the very sight of milk, man, don't believe that. What? Like, that's the reason, I guess. Oh, oh wait, wait, maybe this does make sense. Dude is terrified of milk. You know why? Now I get it now. That's why he spoons dollops of mayonnaise into his coffee because he's terrified of milk. Now it all makes sense. Sure, it doesn't. But it must be true because the unimpeachable source that is Twitter says so. Which, again, proves my point that I made years and years and years ago when I sat around one day trying to think of the most absurd thing I could possibly come up with. And then I was going to say it on the radio just to prove that no matter how absurd it is, some moron will believe it. So I sat around and I thought and I thought and I thought and I thought. And what I come up with? Cough. Remember when I made that major announcement that I was starting a foundation, my own foundation? I called it cough. As in cockfighting across America foundation. And that I was going to travel this country staging cockfights strapping little razor blades to their little rooster feet and holding cockfights across this great nation of ours as a way to give back to the community and to keep underprivileged kids off the streets cockfighting cockfighting as a way to get our nation's youth to consistently make better choices and become better people 
that's what I was giving back. That's what I was raising money for. That's what I was showing our nation's youth, cockfighting. My foundation was based on cockfighting to make the world a better place. I thought that was about the most absurd thing I could come up with. And of course, boneheads believed it. And of course, they were furious. And of course, they tried to get me fired and taken off the air. That, that's my version of the NFL's stupid season. They fight to the death. They don't just fight. Right. Don't you think that's disgusting for kids to see? No, not at all. What's the what's your point? Ridiculous, I think. Ridiculous? You're calling totally my ridiculous. you're calling me wanting to give something back to the community ridiculous. That how, how is trying to help kids on. ridiculous? Let me ask you that. You shouldn't even be allowed to talk about that. How is kids trying... watching fighting to the death? You're crazy, man. Tony, Tony, I'm not crazy, by the way. What I'm asking you is, how is helping kids ridiculous? If that's ridiculous, then yeah, I'm ridiculous. That's not helping kids. It's hurting them, Rome. And he shouldn't be talking about it on the radio, man. Tony, you rule. I love that guy so much. That's my dude right there, Tony. Tony just coming at me hard. Come on, Rome. That's, that, that's me being way ahead of my time. But that's the NFL's stupid season. Somebody says a top quarterback is terrified of milk, and people believe it. Just like somebody starts a Reddit thread saying that Levis is telling people close to him that he's going to go first overall. So people believe that too. But then again, why wouldn't they? I mean, some rando on Reddit said so. Well, actually, that's not fair. Not a rando, but a dude rocking the handle sale agreeable 2834 who posted this yesterday. Quote, Will Levis is currently plus 4,000 to be the first overall pick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he's telling friends and family Carolina will, in fact, take him on Thursday. You're welcome. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold and then apparently people actually bought that crap too which is why levis apparently is moving way up in terms of the odds people actually bought that quote sale agreeable 2834 had the biggest scoop of the entire draft not shefty not any of the guys who were paid to do it but sale agreeable 2834 just scooped Shefty and everybody else and then posted it on a random message board and then tagged it with a Matt in LA. You're, You're welcome. welcome. As if that wasn't already the most tr- obvious troll job ever. And yet, once again, people actually ate that crap right up because, again, Levis's odds suddenly skyrocketed from around plus 4,000 or somewhere in that area, to around plus 400 within the space of just a few hours over information that couldn't be more sketchy from a source that couldn't be less reliable. I mean, damn, what if Manage the Objection 3678 has Anthony Richardson going first? Are you going to believe that too? 
Or what if it's not how many no's, it's how many yeses, and all you need is one big yes, four, six, seven, eight. Has C.J. Stroud going first? Is that going to move the betting markets? The hell is going on here? Imbecile season. Stupid season. Idiot season. Hey, and speaking of Stroud, I'll tell you what's not funny. But does anybody remember that this dude, well, does anybody remember this dude, that he exists? C.J. Stroud. You know, the guy that was supposedly a lock to go number one only a few weeks back, who is now seemingly totally out of the picture and out of the discussion. Totally. I mean, does this guy even still play football? And why? In large part because he apparently flunked his S2 cognition test. He scored an 18%. By comparison, Bryce Young was in the 98 percentile. Levis, 93 Richardson, 79, but somehow Stroud scored an 18, which definitely seems bizarre. Did he tank the test? Did he not prepare? Was there some sort of mistake or error? Who knows? All we know is that GMs put a lot of faith in that test. Some of them do. And that a number of them may see that as a red flag, a big red flag. And maybe that's the reason why he is shooting down the draft. Unless cold calling 4368429 drops some note about that in there. I don't know. And then we have the dude with the highest upside somehow with the lowest amount of draft buzz this week. The dude who lit up the combine by running a 44340 at 6'4, and set the QB long jump and vertical jump records. The dude who is clearly the most enticing and intriguing and fascinating of all the options. Of course, I'm talking about Anthony Richardson. Not just a physical freak, but confident as hell too. He told GQ this week, quote, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. I already know it. I'm going to grind until I am a Hall of Famer. I'm going to make sure of it. End of quote. That's huge talk now. Enormous talk. But then again, we all know that when it comes to this guy, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. Especially as it relates to Richardson. The ceiling is the roof. Am I right, 45? The ceiling is the roof. So, which of these four, go ahead and play along, jump in here. Which of these four do you have on top? Which of these four do you like best? Who would you have proposed... If you were Scott Fitterer taking a knee and popping that question to Frank Reich, who would you want on your team? Who would you absolutely avoid? Get up in here. Let me know because now we are within 36 hours until we finally get some answers. Tough as hell to call because while there is a hell of a lot to like about each one of these guys, every one of them, again, has a pretty significant question mark as well. And I said yes. <laughs> you did? <clears throat> yes to what? And I said yes. <laughs> <clears throat> yes to what, coach? <clears throat> <clears throat> I gotta know. <clears throat> I wonder if the guy just started to tear up like, <clears throat> it's happening. <clears throat> you know, if you catch him off guard, like all of a sudden, the 
person that you're asking realizes, holy crap, it's going down. I think that's why he had that initial reaction of, mm. um, but, and I said, mm. yes. You're, oh, no, no, you're going to ask. <laughs> no, there is consensus. And mm. we're Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyway, he popped the question have... and apparently, mm, coach said yes. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. He is Michael Mayer. Michael, great to have you on. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great to have you on. So let me start you off with a question that I've hit probably 20 prospects with. So I'm going to give you the same, very well, a different variation of the same question. You are now exactly one sleep away until the start of the draft tomorrow. Given how close you are to realizing a lifelong dream, I'm curious, what is your headspace right about now? How are you feeling about things? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. It might be a little difficult to fall asleep tonight. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm excited for it. It's something I've been thinking of since January 1st, January 2nd. It's been a long process. I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see where, you know, my new home's going to be. And, you know, I'm to be honest with you, I'm ready to start playing some football again. You know, I bet. So I referenced at the very top the records you set at Notre Dame. I mean, you had a really storied high school career, which I'll get to in a minute. But when you stepped on campus at Notre Dame for the first time, did you envision yourself leaving as one of the most decorated and productive players ever at such a storied program? I think I, I, think I thought about it. I think I'd be lying if, if I said I didn't think about it. Um, Going in as a freshman, I think my first thought was, all right, how do you play as a freshman? How do you get on the field as a freshman? And I had a pretty good freshman season. And then for me, it was how do I attack my sophomore and junior year the best I can to uh, to break some records, to win as many football games as we can um, and, and kind of help the team win. And so that was kind of my focus. And it was fun. I love Notre Dame. I loved, you know, being there. I had four quarterbacks in, in three years that I really enjoyed playing with. So it was awesome. Michael Merritt joining us. You know, obviously, when you look at that success, it's based a lot on your tremendous athleticism. You led Covington Catholic High School to state titles in both football and basketball, which is pretty mind-blowing. I mean, it might all feel pretty normal to you, but I think that's really impressive. At what point, though, did you realize you would focus on football instead of basketball going forward? It was my sophomore year of high school. Um, going into high school, I really didn't even know if I was going to play football, but my sophomore year, I played football and basketball, and that's what – that's when we won a state championship in both. And um, from then, I kind of realized football football is my thing. Football is kind of is meant for me. It's what I should be doing with my life. And from then, I started training just with football. Um, I still played basketball, but I was really focused on football and winning football games for my high school. I had a great high school coach who helped me out along the way. He gave me my, my number, 87. That's why I wear 87. So uh, um, it was exciting um, to win those things at Cuffgath and do the same in Notre Dame. Hey, dude, was that year any good? State championships in two sports that same year. Let me ask you this. Did you did you always have a greater passion for football, or did you have better career prospects with football? Ultimately, what did it come down to? I think ultimately it was what's going to be the best for me, uh, my body type, 
um, and succeeding in the sport. And I think that's that's football over basketball, right? I'm six four and a half. I can't really shoot, and so um, being a tight end is exactly my kind of body prototype, and that's what I'm kind of born for. That's what I'm meant for. And so once I started really digging into how to be a tight end and training to how to be a tight end, that's kind of really when I started to excel a little bit and kind of accepted my fate is all right. I'm a tight end. Let's let's do this. You know, let's let's learn how to run routes. Let's learn how to block, and let's be good at both of them. Michael Maris joining us. You know, obviously, if I'm looking for a connection between tight ends and hoops, I can obviously mention Tony Gonzalez or Jimmy Graham or Antonio Gates. They all play both sports. Who are the tight ends that you've patterned your game after the most? Again, I know you want to be your own guy, but when you look at others who came before you, who are the guys you've patterned or tried to emulate? I think I would I would have to say Gronkowski, number one. Uh, I would say George Kittle, number two, and, and Kelsey, number three. I think those three guys in itself – um, all have kind of a different style of play. And I think I would like to emulate kind of all three style of play in one, you know, blocking, receiving, uh, being a leader, being a force on pretty much everything in the entire offense. Um, you know, I hope I can do that in the league. And um, I actually met George Kittle this past summer at tight end you and just a fantastic guy, a fantastic guy. And I'm really glad I got to know him. And, you know, I'm excited to play against him and or, or maybe with him. I don't know, in the NFL. So, Michael, what was that conversation like? What did you guys chop it up about? What did you say to him? Well, I think the the, the first thing I kind of realized is, all right, there's a little bit I got to learn here. These are NFL tight ends, and I'm a sophomore in college, and there's some things I got to work on. And that's the first thing I did. I went back to South Bend, and I worked on it. And um, I think the second thing I realized is just how good of a guy he is, how good of a guy Kelsey is, and some of the people at tight end you. I, you know, I got to meet Greg Olson, too. Fantastic guy. And so – it's for me, it's about, you know, my football career, obviously, but I want to be a great guy off the field. I want to, you know, be able to talk to people and be able to do cool things off the field. And so I learned a lot from them in that aspect yeah, of it, too. I was going to say, I don't want to generalize at all, but, you know, you make a really interesting point. Those are all great dudes. Those are all great dudes. What is it? Is it something to do with the position? Like, to your point, you got to be selfless. I mean, you have to be skilled. You've got to run your routes, but you've got to do a bunch of the grunt work, the dirty work as well. Why is it that all these guys, is it a coincidence, or is it not that all these dudes are really good dudes in addition to being great players? You know, I, I don't totally know, but I do know that uh, the, the tight end position in the NFL is is unique in that way. The, the fact that, you know, 150, 100 tight ends a year can come together and train and, and hang out together for three, four days is, is something that doesn't happen in other positions very often, doesn't happen in the NFL in general very often. And to you have to be selfless to do that, number one, and you got to be selfless to play tight end position too. So it's a cool position. I'm excited to be a part of it. And um, it's just, it's cool to be, you know, in a group with those guys. who I mentioned before. All right. So you're appearing courtesy of old spice. I'm going to ask you about that in one minute, but I want to ask you one more thing about the draft. I mean, it's wild, right? All the buzz, all the smoke, all the speculation, all the attention. What are you doing with all that? Like, do you follow that and try and keep up with all that? Because by the way, you are, uh, going up very quickly. There's a lot of buzz that you'll be the first tight end taken. Do you try to figure out exactly what's going on? Or do you steer clear of that altogether? How do you approach it? Yeah, I'll be honest. Since the combine, I think I've kind of steered clear of it all. Um, I haven't looked at much. I haven't really been on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and so for me, it's about keeping my head down, working, and whatever happens, happens. Control the controllables. Um, you know, the good thing is I got 24 hours to think about it. And then after that, it's over. There's nothing you can do about it. So it's almost here. It's almost over. And I've tried to stay out of it as much as I can. I've, I've you know, got some text here and there. But um, I'm excited for it. I'm just ready for it to happen.
All right, so it's out of your control, and it's a waste of energy and your resources to worry about something you have no control over. But will you be disappointed if you're not the first tight end taken? Yeah, I don't think disappointed is the right word to use there. Um, there's, uh, I feel like in my combine and in my pro day and in my last three years at Notre Dame, I've done everything I could. So um, if a team doesn't want to draft me, that's totally fine. There's nothing I can do about that. And, you know, I'm going to wait till the next team that wants to draft me and try to do the best I can at that team, you know? It's a good answer, dude. It's a good answer. Michael Mara joining us. But then again, I, I've always said this. The, the thing about Notre Dame Every Notre Dame player I talk to inevitably comes off really, really well. And I'd put you in that same category. Let me ask you this. You've teamed up with Old Spice Swagger. What should we know about the partnership and exactly what is the program? Yeah, I think when I think of Old Spice, I think of two things, um, 24-7 freshness and confidence. And you look at those two things, and those are two things they're going to need tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. There's the two things I'm going to need uh, my rookie year. And, you know, I'm going to have my family and friends there, so I'm really excited about that. And, they're going to be smelling good, and I'm going to be smelling good. So it's going to be a fun day all around, and I'm really excited about it. All right. He had a historic career at Notre Dame and appearing courtesy of Old Spice Swagger. Like I said, one more sleep, and then you're there. Michael, great to have you on the show. Appreciate the conversation. Nice job. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. All right, so let's talk about the Celtics and the Hawks. The very thing the Celtics did not want to have happen last night actually did happen. And it should have never happened. Up 13 in the fourth quarter in an elimination game against the Hawks at home. Boot on their throat. And they straight up choke. And they don't finish. They choked because this was the very thing they all talked about prior to game five. Finish these dudes. Choke them out. Get ready for Philadelphia in the next round. The last thing any of them wanted to do was get back on an airplane and head back to the ATL and deal with a suddenly rejuvenated Hawks team. While at the same time, giving Philadelphia more time to rest and recover. Giving Joel Embiid even more time to get right. While burning more of their own valuable energy. Yet somehow that's exactly what happened. They straight choked. Teams with legitimate championship aspirations do not melt down like that. They finish. And they know despite all the trouble that they had in the first two games. And really the entire season. Trey Young, I mean. They don't let that guy hang around. They don't let them or him hang around only to finally realize or recapture who and what he does. Because he might start doing those things again. And he did. Proving that Trey still has some of that in him. To me, not nearly enough. Or not nearly consistently enough. But he still has that dagger And he carved Boston last night. And he did it practically from the parking lot. And here's Young. Backtracks. Five to two. Young lets it go. And hits. Ice cold. 
I mean, this dude, right? Frustrating as hell. And more often than not. And then he does that. Logo three for the win if you need him. Even though they didn't need a three. Like, miss that. And it's an all-time, the hell are you thinking? The most Trey Young thing ever. But then he knocks it down, and it's cold-blooded, and it's still one of the most Trey Young things ever. Like, the guy's like a mini AD, right? You never know what the hell you're going to get from this guy at this point. When he's on, he is unstoppable, and when he's not, he's garbage. You just don't know, night to night. Which is why, when you have your boot on their throat, you finish. Because clearly, this dude's got a weird way of just showing up at some point. And you don't know when, but he can. And he will. Not nearly often enough, but he can still do that. That's why you don't give them that chance. Even if missing that shot could have been the last shot that he ever took in a Hawks jersey. And you know what? I don't think that's that big of a reach. Maybe, right? Except he made that shot. And now they're all headed back to the ATL. And the Celtics have nobody to blame but themselves for letting that one get away. Like, that is unforgivable for my half-fam, for my half-chowds. How could a team that experienced and thinking championship or bust not finish that team in their own building? I mean, credit to Ice Trey, who proved that he can still be Ice Trey. My question, though, is can this guy do this consistently? Is he still that guy Or is he the guy that frustrated the team and the organization to the point that there was all that smoke about them moving on from him if the right deal did materialize? Because, again, like AD, you just don't know what you're going to get from this guy night to night. I mean, great. Good job, dude. You did keep your team season alive. This all of a sudden now is a 3-2 series. Good on you. But that's what stars do. They show up, they show out, and they do it on the big stage, and they do it consistently. They don't disappear. And while I do know, we saw it last night, this dude does still have this in him. I don't know when he'll do it again. Like, which Trey Young shows up for game six? The guy we saw last night or the guy we saw in the first two games of the series? The guy who can't miss or the guy who can't make a shot? Talented dude? Absolutely. For sure. But face of the franchise and bona fide consistent killer, I don't see that. I still don't trust that dude. He hit some really big shots and the dagger. But the Celtics did as much to lose that game as Trey did to win that game. You lead by 12 with less than five and a half minutes to go at home in a closeout game. You close out. You finish. They didn't. Now, Now, if the Hawks get this thing back to Boston and they punk them again in Game 7 and Trey's the guy, then you know what? Maybe he is that guy. But I'm going to have to see more than I saw from him last night before I trust him. And by the way, trust the Celtics. I don't really trust either one of them at this point. I need to see him do that more often and I can't see the Celtics do what they did and say that I trust them. I still don't know what I'm going to get from either one of them night to night. I still don't know what I'm going to get from Trey night to night, and I still don't know. I thought I did, but I don't know what I'm going to get from a veteran Celtics team with championship aspirations. 
because that team with that experience and that roster should never choke away a game like that on their home floor. I'll tell you what, Boston fan, you know, you got to own some of this yourself. You have to own some of this yourself because you may have been, in fact, the ones that actually woke Ice Trey up. First trip to the line for Young tonight. Listen to my half fam. Bleep Trey Young. Bleep Trey Young. Bleep Trey Young. Man, everybody hates this guy. Problem is, he's one of those guys that absorbs the hate. And converts it into fuel. They're chanting bleep Trey Young. And he did them the way he did the Knicks. This dude thrives on that. He loves it. This is ninth inning Timmy Trumpet to Edwin Diaz striking out the side. This is Rocky's theme music. In the late rounds, just eating knuckle sandwiches over and over like it's making him stronger. This is Indiana Jones. The Indiana Jones theme music to Ariston Ford when he brings down the emergency landing gear on a golf course, some muni near you. Get off my plane. You got to know better, right? You had them. The Hawks didn't even have DeJounte Murray. I mean, Dominique Wilkins and Spud walking through that door. Do you not remember Knicks fan unlocking ice tray mode a couple of years back? Suck my Trey Young! Suck my Trey Young! Yo, Trey Young looks like my dad's I never saw my dad's he still looks like shit. I better not catch Trey and Dankman. I better not catch Trey and Dankman. Now, yo, give me a shot at it. Go, New York. Go, New York. Go. It'll be bad. It's Trey Young, darling. No. no. Trey Young, you motherfucker. I'm going to fuck you up. Could Trey Young come to your hood right now? Hell no. I'll shoot that this ball in Wow, wow. What would you say to Trey Young right now? Tell Trey Young, Trey Young. Yeah, we outside. Yeah. Who hates this guy more than Knicks fan? But what I'm saying is, why wake this dude up? If Trey Young were here right now, I mean, I could do three hours of that. There's that much material. They woke this dude up. Celtics fan, you woke this dude up. Listen, I still think my half fam is going to advance. But Trey, keep it up, yo. I'm not complaining. If the Hawks do pull a miracle... Can we reseed? Can we reseed the teams so Trey can play the Knicks after New York closes out the Cavs? What would you give to hear and see more of this? Trey Young, Valley? No! no! Trey Young, you motherfucker! I'm gonna f you up! Could Trey Young come to your hood right now? Hell no, I'll shoot that this ball this Bow, 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 bow! If Trey Young was here right now, I'd pull out his Trey Young's bald. Trey Young's bald. If Trey Young were here right now, I'd pull out his hair. Trey Young's bald. Trey Young's bald. Knicks fan is incredible. 
Now I hope Boston does choke. I'm the guy who'd be on the phone to ears saying, put me through to ears. Can we reseed, please? You want you want to save the association? Let Knicks fan get a piece of Trey Young. I'm not even trolling the ATL. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I thought for sure the Celtics were going to finish last night. I mean, can I tell you something? Even the Hawks themselves or those responsible for their building didn't think that this series would last that long because they double-booked State Farm Arena. That's a fact. Janet Jackson has a concert that same night. Sorry, Hawk Nation, but we got the Rhythm Nation book for the 27th. Unbelievable. This whole thing is incredible. They had so little faith, they double-booked their arena. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? Really quickly about the Clippers. I already had that Shams tweet and more bad news. A torn meniscus for Kawhi. Now, on top of that, I do want to give them some credit this morning. Yes, their season is over again long before it should be. Yes, it was again an unmitigated disaster. But, but, before we get into all of that again, a little bit of credit for last night. Credit for at least staying in the fight, even without their two superstars. Credit for holding their chins up high, roaring back from down 20 in the fourth quarter, even though they had pretty much no prayer to ever win that game, let alone to come back and win that series. I mean, if ever there was justification for a 1-2-3 Cancun moment, it came when they were down 114-94 with 11 minutes left. But like I said, they did stay in the fight. They made it to round 12. They lost by six in the end. And some people lost money. But that's about the only positive I could say. At least they battled until the end. Now that I've gotten that positive out of the way, holy crap, what a disaster. The series, the season, the entire thing. I mean, it did start off so well, too. In fact, that's pretty much why it's a disaster. Because it started off pretty well. Once again, Shams tweets, Kawhi Leonard has been diagnosed with a torn meniscus in his right knee. Sources tell at the Athletic and at Stadium, he averaged 35 points in the first two games of the postseason versus the Suns before the meniscus injury was revealed and he was shut down by the medical staff. Uh Uh-oh! Once again, 
so much for load management. Once again, so much for the Clippers. Game one of that series pretty much was validation of everything L.A. had been working on and working towards for like the last five years. They came out against the Vegas favorites to win the West and smacked them by 15 in their house to start the series. Kawhi was without question the best player on the floor. And that was all without Paul George even being available. In theory, these Clippers can compete for a title. In theory. But in reality, they can't in reality they can't keep either of their superstars on the court. As we now know, Kawhi Siri, for real? Kawhi tore his for real. Kawhi tore his meniscus during that 38-point game one performance, it would appear. Played through it in game two, then sat out the rest of the series. And, of course, the Clippers never won another game. So, again, they've got pretty much nothing to show for any of the time and money and energy that they have poured into these two superstars who just can't seem to ever get on the floor at the same time together. Thing is, they both still have it. They're both still elite players when they play. And they do play well together when they play well together. Again, the Clippers have done everything possible to manage their load, coddle the hell out of both of them since they walked through that door. Nobody in particular has managed their load like Kawhi has managed his load since arriving here in L.A., which is why it's got to be so frustrating that it took him all of one game to get hurt again. Imagine this guy managing that load every game all year only to finally get to the postseason, get off in game one, and then immediately get hurt. That is a massive, massive disaster for the Clippers, but also a massive loss for load management, a concept that is failing right in front of our eyes. Just like that Paul George, Kawhi Leonard combination, which begs the question, what the hell are you going to do now? If you're the Clippers, what the hell are you going to do now with the two of these guys? Can you bring them back? Do you break them up? Do you start over? What do you do? It's not like they have a lot of options, if you ask me. They both have player options the year after next, but they're still on the hook to both of them next year at over 40 mil each. And what's that gotten them? And then when you look at the money total, all the money in, it's like 484 mil. I guess a half a bill does not buy what it used to. One conference finalist appearance. I know Steve Ballmer's got more money than anything or anybody, but even Ballmer, if you went to him and said, hey, Steve, would you, how, how badly would you like to be in the conference finals? Oh, really badly. All right. We can get you in there, but it's going to cost you 484 mil. Do you want it that badly? As rich as that guy is, even worth 84 bill. That dude's not chipping off a half a bill, even if he has 83 and a half more for that. That's not an acceptable ROI for 484 mil. 
a gigantic pile of games not featuring the dudes that you gave all that paper to. Load management? More like waste management? Hell! Then again, you do have all those incredible new toilets coming into the new building. Toilets! 1160 toilets! Got that going for you, which is nice. Let's go to New Mexico. David in New Mexico. David, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Jim. Good to, good to hear from you. I'm happy you took my call. I'm happy you made I'm, the call. Uh, what's up? I have a, I have a, uh, I have a beef with the Yankees. Uh, GM Cashman got paid first. He let Ben and Tendy go, Montgomery go. He, he, he kept, he, he continues to keep Severino, damaged goods, Frankie Montas. I mean, who are these guys? And, you know, he gets such accolades, and I don't think he does a very good job. I'm out. How are you, Jim? All right, David. Nice job. Have a good day. So, like, I don't know if you're just kind of blowing off some steam and you're unhappy with cash, or if that was your bid to get a golden ticket and get your shot at five grand. If it's the latter, my man, respectfully, not good enough. But... If, on the other hand, you're saying, hey, no, I know I'm not that guy. I just want to tell you, I, I hate Brian Cashman, and he wrecked the team. I'm here for that. It is a sports talk show. You can talk about anything you want. And, yes, some of the things that Cashman has done last couple of years have made a whole hell of a lot of sense, right? But I don't think it was because he got paid first. I, I don't think that's why or what's driving his decision-making. I mean, the guy has been there like 50 years. I, I, can I tell you about Cashman? There was actually a time. This is, so, this is what I love about the arc of my career and the arc of this show. Believe it or not, there was a time when Brian Cashman used to come on this show. Not only would come on the show, but liked coming on the show. It was not a hard guy to turn. I'm not saying we would do him a half a dozen times a year, but we could do him a few times a year, and he would do it and was happy to do it. That's how long I've done this. Dip Ashman would come on this program. That's how long he's had that job, too. If I were to put that to you, how long do you think he's had that job? When do you think he was hired? I'm going to guess. I don't even know the answer to it. I'm going to guess that he's been there since probably if he was doing this show and this show went national in the mid-90s, I'm going to say he's been there since the late 90s. Imagine being that guy in that market, in that capacity, working for that team, working for the old man before he passed. That could not have been easy. Boy, you cash. You talk about some survival mechanisms, survival skills. David in New Mexico, though, not happy with him at all. All right, but David, where's shoot your shot? I like that. I'm got to shoot. How are you, Jim? Got to shoot your shot. I'm great, David. How are you? I'm out. How are you, Jim? I'm pissed off. How you doing, Jim? I'm great. How are you, David? Pissed. Pissed at what? Brian Cashman? About what? How much time you got, Rome? I mean, who are these guys? I mean, I'm happy you took my call. I'm happy you took my call, Jim, but who the hell are these guys? And how I'm is out. Brian Cashman? How are you, Jim? 
I'm great. David, thanks for asking. I mean, who are these guys? Hey, David, are you out? How are you, Jim? I'm still fine, David. How are you? I'm out. How okay. are you, Jim? All right. There you go. And, and you know what that is? It's like, you see, Rome, that's why we don't call. Because you do us like that. No, I don't. Well, I'm happy you took my call. Uh, I'm happy you made that call, my guy. Who else wants in? That was fun. Fun for me. Fun for him. Fun for the listeners. Obviously fun for Alvy. Because Alvy's not going to uh, break. Alvy just keeps Yanks. playing. Yeah. All right, so he, got a, he had his beef a day early. But I am the one saying you don't need to wait for the actual beef segment to have a beef. Actually, David, that call is aging very well. It's only five minutes old, but it's aging very well. I bet if we keep playing that back, by the end of this segment, you may have talked your way into a golden ticket. Retroactively. It's he gets aging well. And I don't think he does a very good job. Who, Cashman? Why not? How are you, Jim? Still well. I'm still well, David. How are you? I'm out. Okay. With that in mind, hey, Alvin, did we rack him? We rack should him. have. I'm telling you, dude. How are you, Jim? Well, I'm getting better by the minute. David, I'm thank you for asking again. I'm happy you took my call. I'm happy you made that call, my guy. I mean, who are these guys? Right. Who are they? I'm telling you, I am this close to giving this guy a golden ticket. Good night, no!